0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Elite Team Leadership Podcast. Today's special guest is Heath Black, former professional football player and now a mental health advocate. Because after Heath retired in 2008, after playing for both the Fremantle and St Kilda football clubs, Heath was thrust into the public spotlight with criminal convictions, binge drinking, violent outbursts, and marriage breakdown. It was only in 2011 that he was finally diagnosed and medicated for bipolar 2 and adult ADHD type 6. So Heath went through his whole playing career with these... Um, medical conditions which were untreated and obviously caused a huge amount of problems and issues throughout his playing days and this episode I must admit I was um, blown away by some of the things that went on and how he got through some certain parts of his life and really just how he lived from day to day and to the point now where he's an absolute shining beacon of light. In this area and I was I'm so impressed with this guy and to have him on for 30 40 minutes um, have a chat with me um, and really pass on to you guys and I hope you guys who are listening to this right now really continue on and listen to the full episode here because there's so much amazing stuff in here and I think all of us have people and and in yourselves at times had really challenges in this area and Heath is an expert and really uh, um, gives us some great tips, have some strategies and some advice where we can get extra help if you need it in this area. So guys, um, in mental health and in these sort of, um, areas of bipolar and so forth, Heath is basically the man. And I was again just so excited having him on. so guys, Make sure with this one, please share it on your Facebook page. This episode, I'm sure out of the hundreds of friends you have, there's going to be a good handful of them that are going to really need this, and this could be, you know, absolutely um, life-saving. As Heath, you know, he is an expert in suicide prevention, and these sorts of things. So, guys, Heath Black, former AFL player, uh, and now a mental health advocate and expert. So. Um, Listen to this one and guys, make sure that you pass this on to any friends or family and just let them have a listen because I think it's great for all of us. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to Elite Team Leadership Podcast. Today I'm super excited um, to have Heath Black as a guest on the show and we're really um, going to uh, talk with Heath through um, his football career with 192 games AFL for both Fremantle and St Kilda um, and then also um, with him, he's advocating for mental illness now as a really, I um, think from him that he's challenged and overcome and really working through and so I'm super excited to have him on. So welcome Heath. Thanks for having me. Fantastic, mate. So I sort of really like to start off, Heath, with really um, just touching on your background and 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 what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. Okay. I um I grew up in uh, in the eastern suburbs of uh, of Melbourne um, in Mulgrave, and uh, I, I live far from there now. But uh, obviously, I went to uh, Masnod College as a, as a young kid and. Um, Sort of wasn't very good at school, as uh, a lot of uh, AFL footballers uh, struggle at school, but a good good at sport. But um, was able to get drafted at the age of seventeen uh, and, and leave a very tight knit family and go way over west, uh, which wasn't very good at the time because I had a, a massive fear of flying, <laughs> so um, which which took its toll. Uh, trust me. Um, and then was fortunate enough to play with the Fremantle Footy Club for five years. Obviously wanted to come back and experience Melbourne, um, playing uh, you know, at the MCG in front of family. Played three years uh, for St. Kilda, and then went back to WA, which is quite ironic, but you do these things when uh, you're trying to keep a family together. Uh, my wife at the time was a WA girl and was terribly homesick. Uh, went back before and, and obviously um, now back in Melbourne, been back in Melbourne for three years, so... That's a bit of a snapshot of, uh, of the, uh, the footy side of things anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just actually on your flying, so that would have been a challenge for you every second week, uh, co- you know, traveling across the country, I imagine. Yeah, look, it was
1: huge. Um, no, Now what I know about anxiety and whatnot, um, essentially I was having an anxiety attack um, on every flight, uh, and, yeah. and there was d- different severities of that depending on weather, you know, turbulence, and, and the boys would get into me. You know, they'd say, "Oh, we can't wait for bad weather," and Blackie's going to put a show on. You know, um, yeah. and I'd be grabbing blokes' uh, knees and in you know fits of sweat. And mm-hmm. but you know, it was it was anxiety, and um, and nowadays uh, through getting hypnotherapy and. Uh, and obviously medicated for anxiety. I just flew in um, you know, forty five minutes ago to the Gold Coast. It was fairly hairy coming in, one of the worst landings I've had in all those years and um all fine. So it's mm. remarkable what you can do.
0: So in, in overcoming that anxiety, is that just through the last number of years you've sort of been working with different people or is it one certain thing for it, or what what had that work out? Yeah, look, I
1: think um, as I say to people with my mental health conditions, um, uh, they're, they're continuous. they you know to say that you're healed is not true. Um, I have my mental health conditions for life, and I've accepted that in a, in a positive way. Uh, anxiety is manageable, um, but it, it, it can always fester. It just depends what's going on in your life and what environment you're in, and you know whether you're using, using alcohol and drugs and, and these sorts of things. So for me, it's a combination of relaxation techniques that I've learnt, um, replacing you know negative thoughts with positive ones. Uh, your breathing. Um, I use uh, EFT freedom tapping. It's called. So I tap different parts of my body. With, in conjunction with breathing te- techniques to calm myself down. And then really, top of the, the chain, if needed, I, I take medication. And, and that's what I call my red reset button um, to make sure that anxiety is curbed quickly. Uh, because a panic attack, as I say to a people, a panic attack, you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy because simply you think you're going to die. Um, And then I was having those panic attacks before AFL football matches too. So it's an interesting story.
0: (laughs) So you managed to deal with this for nearly 10, 12 years of playing AFL football. Um, When did you realise that this might not be the the normal sort of feeling that the average player was getting? And and were you getting um, help from an early age or how did that work?
1: Yeah, I I didn't... I was that typical bloke um, of, you know, on the outside you look extremely strong and you, you're pumping weights and, you, you know, my upbringing was, was fairly hardened, if you want to call it that, and um, I, I walked in the shoes of that hardened person. so. I believe I had anxiety at a very very early age and um, I just sort of thought playing before you know um, having anxiety before sport was just like having butterflies in the stomach and mm-hmm. that was uh, I felt normal but as I continued on uh, into my AFL career uh, things did worsen with anxiety and um, I'd find myself on the toilet before games and, and whatnot going through the same routine. So. I didn't get help until I was 26. I started AFL at 17 um, and it was far too late. Um, But look, in saying that at 26 I was misdiagnosed at that stage uh, for depression and anxiety but in actual fact at the age of 30 I was diagnosed correctly with bipolar 2 ADHD type 6, Mm -hmm. obsessive compulsive disorder and a social anxiety disorder. So, can you believe a social anxiety disorder mm-hmm. uh, playing in front of fifty thousand people every week? Uh, no wonder I was bloody anxious.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, in two thousand nine, when you sort of got correctly sort of diagnosed, did you was that was that the beginning of um, seeing? I guess you know, seeing the light in a way, and 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 working through it in a more positive way. Um, not
1: really. Uh, look. End of 08 and, and into 09 and even 2010 from memory, using huge amounts of alcohol to cope with my mental health issues, too much. Um, it was only making those issues worse. The anger that was inside um, was just you know, coming out when I was intoxicated. I was putting myself in risky situations. I wanted myself to actually get hurt in, in the public um, you know, violently by people um, And as a result of those risks and behaviours that I put myself in um, I was obviously in trouble with the law quite readily And, uh, and some fairly, you know, significant incidents uh, in Western Australia As a result of my decision making and, and poor behaviour
0: Yeah, and during that time, what was your lowest point? What was the point where you thought you've hit rock bottom?
1: Yeah, look, I, you know, when I do present, uh, you know, under my sort of business umbrella, um, I call my presentation from uh, from rock bottom and black. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's quite ironic that, look, and I do say that uh, I needed to hit my own rock bottom. Uh, and people with similar issues to me, whether it's addictions or or mental health issues, um, I think you need to find a rock bottom. I know that sounds harsh, but to know what rock bottom feels like, to make sure you never go back there again. And, um, look, I I was having suicidal thoughts and tendencies. Uh, I didn't want to be here anymore. Um, And I suppose it probably came to a head on a football trip at the end of 2008 in Thailand, uh, where I was... Pretty much just uh, in, in my own little bubble, and um, you know the behaviour that was sort of uh, was going on over there was uh, out of line, and uh, and, and you know the, the mental health issues really exacerbated over that eight day period. Um, I wasn't a, an illicit drug taker, thank God, um, but I was a very very heavy binge drinker, and um, you had... You know, a person that's physically strong. Uh, you add um, misdiagnosis and wrong medication, um, and add huge amounts of alcohol. You've got a loaded weapon, and you're dangerous. Yeah. So um, that was me in a nutshell through that period of time.
0: Yeah, I was. I was actually doing some obviously research prior to this um, interview with you, Heath, and I heard this. Story you you talked about in Thailand, um, where you rushed mm. a guy who had had pulled a uh, a gun on you. Are you able to explain that yep. a bit more? And I was, I, was, I just thought that was uh, incredible in in the in the nicest sense. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Obviously, I was
1: in a mindset of um, you know wanting to hurt myself, if that makes sense, Um, and to put myself in a situation where maybe I was no longer gonna walk the earth, so to speak. And um, that was just by chance uh, that I put myself in that situation. I was um, in a strip club and and being quite disrespectful to the the performers, was kicked out of that strip club uh, by the owner and subsequently uh, taken out to an alleyway where, um, a gun was pulled, yeah, so instead of, I suppose, running away, um, unbeknownst to the person that pulled the gun, uh, he didn't know my mindset, and, uh, I, I decided to, to rush him and, and fight him, yeah, so I was very lucky that, uh, you know, nothing further happened there, but, but I suppose what I did, that incident occurred very early in a football, on the football trip, and it triggered, um, Uh, my first manic episode, which um, for the people that don't know uh, what mania is all about, it's sort of, you're not in reality, but you're walking the earth, and uh, you uh, have the strength of 10 men, you have no need to sleep, I slept for 8 hours in 8 days, Mm -hmm. Um, and you can imagine what sort of condition I was in with just continuous amounts of uh, drinking Um, and to rack up a bar tab uh, at my resort and people go to Thailand to actually save money, Uh, I think it was about $4,000 Australian, Mm. um, which I had to pay at the end. So it was, and then I came back to Perth and unfortunately for me, um, I had another eight months of that terrible behaviour to uh, continue to occur before I worked myself out.
0: Yeah, yeah, so so after eight months, what what did you do then?
1: Look, I suppose it was I still didn't think I had a problem, but I was forced to get help uh, by, um, you know, Perth Magistrate's Court and uh, and obviously you know a mini sort of family intervention if you want to call it that. Um, so I had to further investigate my my mental health issues and drinking, and I was fortunate enough to. Uh, to be able to present under um, you know, my business Black Ash Solutions. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk in front of 500 people at the Men in Black Ball uh, in Perth, and I was fortunate enough to have a lot of doctors in that room, and it um, was a bit of a call out for help. Uh, I actually cried on stage, which was very unusual, um, and a doctor pulled me aside and said, hey mate, we need to do some more tests. And as a result of that doctor taking the care and interest in me, um, ADHD and bipolar was diagnosed and medicated would start, started pretty much there and then and it changed my life forever. Mm. So just very, very lucky. I was very lucky to be correctly diagnosed um, or else. I believe there would have only been two situations and that would have been a lengthy time in jail or I'd be dead and that's there was no gray area there was
0: no in-between for me yeah it's um can you explain for the listeners out there as well hey the difference or what actually bipolar is and adhd and the differences between the two
1: yeah so um bipolar is a mood disorder which um on bipolar two so there's bipolar one um as well which is uh, more severe uh, and for me, having the combi- combination of ADHD means I have a lot of energy. I struggle to focus. I, I am extremely forgetful. Um, I have anger issues. Um, I struggled with my grammar. And my um, you know, numeracy and grammar would be at the level of a grade three. Um, I struggle to retain information, so that's the ADHD component. Then you mix that with bipolar. So bipolar people have extreme highs of um, just feeling amazing, like it's like a like a drug, I suppose. And you're you spend money, and you, you, you dream, and you get into these fits of um, of, of just out of reality and then what goes up must come down and then there, with bipolar there is a massive depressive side to it where people uh, will keep themselves up for, for days months and years even um, I'm fortunate that with ADHD I'm more up so I have to have things in place to make sure that I'm, I'm calm and, that's, uh, and then you throw in obsessive compulsive where I like to have everything in routine you take that routine away, and anxiety kicks in, and then obviously social uh, social anxiety is pretty pretty self explanatory.
0: Yeah, and, and just to explain um, today, like in then say this month, what sort of measures do you have in place? Are you seeing people regularly, or or, or medication, or what sort of things are you doing now yep. to uh, maintain or you know, um, maintain yourself in in a, in a state yep. that you're happy with?
1: Yep, so I take uh, medication every morning for bipolar, so that stabilises my moods. It, uh, I still have slight highs and slight lows, uh, but I don't have the huge spikes anymore, and that medication plus environment and, uh, and lifestyle changes uh, enable me to do that. Uh, ADHD medication I take every four hours um, to make sure that I'm focused and I can just concentrate from day to day. Yes. from hour to hour so to speak it calms me down and then my anxiety medication just sort of goes around with me everywhere um, and I take that when needed so medication is only one component uh, I liken it to when we were at school and we um, had the, the food chart and at the bottom was you know all of your yeah, I think, what was it from memory? Carbohydrates or whatever. And then up to the top was your fats. Well, I, I have up the top is my medication.
0: Yes.
1: And then everything at the base is relaxation, diet, exercise, environment, stuff like that. And if I've got everything in place at the bottom of the pyramid, it enables my medication to then work.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So um, still see a psychologist, psychiatrist, uh, medication gets reviewed. Um, so, yeah, I have a mental health support network in place to make sure that I'm okay because I still have slip-ups. I, I still have my lows. I still have my highs, which I'm addicted to. Um, and that's, that's bipolar. That's ADHD. And I accept it, and I'm happy to have it.
0: In terms of um, the general population, I guess AFL as well, um, have you noticed uh, mental illness becoming a big issue in two thousand fifteen over the last say fifteen years, or have you? Do um, you think it's getting more awareness now, and people like yourself um, is that ha- helping obviously a lot with it?
1: Yeah, look, I reckon um, it's it's through education. Um, you now, I'm just one <clears throat> one support mechanism in a, in a lot of people that, that do get around on the speaking circuit. But I've been very very fortunate to be able to work. You know, for Rio Tinto and Newmont Mines and I, I, con- I contract or consult back to different organisations in, in Melbourne in the building industry and whether it's Cricket Australia or the AFL, i very fortunate to be able to spread the word. And I think, um, you know, these big organisations like Headspace and Beyond Blue and people on the speaking circuit also um, and people that are coming out, I just think it's more socially accepted and, and that's great, yes. um, we've still got a little way to go but from what I've seen over the last four years of, of my work is that um, we're getting better and, and that's great. I go to schools and they really know a lot about mental health issues mm-hmm. and you know, my generation's and the one sort of, you know, before, are still a little harder but they're definitely more acceptable. Um, you're still gonna get your rogues but you know, toughen up mate, you're, you know, He's a, he's a sook or he should be all hard up. but those people are in the minority
0: yeah so if, if for people listening and they might be having trouble with this what are or what are some first off what are some symptoms that you uh, might be able to let listeners know to that might need to recognise or be aware of themselves that uh, they may have yeah. a issue in this area
1: yeah anxiety if we can look at that you know if you're struggling to sleep and you, you have racing thoughts and you know, you know, more to the point, if you're you're struggling with you know, heart palpitations and you're constantly sweating before events, or your you know, your mouth is really dry, and or uh, you're you're withdrawing from the things that you actually love doing, that's sort of more getting to that depressive side. You're you'd rather be at home. You're not answering your mobile phone when your friends are ringing. Um, you're, you're taking yourself away from the things you love. Um, your appearance might be dropping off. You might be. Uh, one that you know gets up in the morning and does your hair, has a shave, puts your aftershave on. But if you're depressed, you might not shower. You um, you go away from that routine. You might be eating too much or not enough. Um, these sorts of you know small things that happen are, are definitely red flags. Um, and we as friends have to have to look look out for our mates. Yeah. And if we see any of those signs and yeah. any you know. Irregular behaviour if someone's taking more drugs or drinking more alcohol or they're angry or they're sad and crying, we have to investigate and ask if they're okay.
0: Yeah. So if you are a friend and you do notice maybe a few of these things that you've just uh, listed, what would be a what would you recommend? you? How would you approach that, I guess I'm trying to say? How would you approach that with the person that you might be thinking? That's the, uh, that's the hardest question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what I say to people is,
1: Take people uh, to an environment where they feel comfortable. Yes. Uh, beach, park, cafe, pub. Don't don't drink too much. Um, you know, uh, you, the blokes. Our, our Australian culture is: oh, we see a mate that's sad, so we go down the pub and we, we have twenty pots. Um, that might be all right for you with a person without depression, but the person with depression struggles with that for you know up to a week. So, yes. um, but take them to a place they feel comfortable. And just just have a, have a general conversation of what you've witnessed over a month or two weeks and then don't say a word, just listen. Listen to the person and if they tell you to nick off, okay. at least they know you care and uh, check back in. Um, if you're ever worried about obviously someone taking their life, never ever leave them alone, ever, and make sure that uh, you stay with them until two things, you ring Triple zero,
0: or you actually take them to the emergency yourself. Yeah, that's very good advice. Um, Heath, once an individual has recognised that, hey, they may have a problem, they've realised that their symptoms are all in line with having some sort of depression, um, obviously, in getting help, you know, what are avenues that you direct people towards? Yeah, look. Um I think uh, relaxation techniques
1: are are a massive thing. Uh, I think people should really look into that. Diet, pardon me, is is huge. Um, And just generally setting small goals and, you know, that's why I'm in the Gold Coast at the minute. Um, I've had uh, a fairly significant life change over the last 11 months. I'm I'm now a stay-at-home dad and have been with my little daughter and I've got a 14-year-old and a a 12-year-old. And being a house husband is uh, very different to you know, living in a plane and touring around Australia uh, being a mental health advocate. I still do that, mm-hmm. but just nowhere near enough. So setting small goals and saying, OK, I know I'm going to spend a week in the Gold Coast, that's something to look forward to. Um, and, and I think people should do that um, to be able to, you know, it's a bit of me time. Um, the other thing that... I believe is, is the most important thing is communication, and that is communicating with people that you trust um, about how you're feeling. Um, and for me, communication is the number one thing for me to continue to keep well. Yeah.
0: If I if you were um, currently in a state that you were you know I guess a healthy mental state. What are obviously you've yeah. just mentioned diet, but what are sort of maybe a couple other preventative type. Um, activities or actions that one could continue to take over the coming years to help avoid, you know, becoming in a depressed state?
1: Oh, boy, if you you had the answer to that, I (laughs) I reckon you'd be fairly wealthy.
0: I'm I'm putting the pressure on you, aren't I? Look, I
1: think it's to be rounded as a person. And, you know, when people say... uh, don't drink too much all in moderation I I actually think moderation for for everything that we do um and that might sound a bit random but it's little little bits that uh you know what am I trying to say here not too much exercise but enough not too much drinking but it's okay to you know have a have a casual bit not too much indulging in food and chocolate and this do you know what I mean I think We we talk about it in diet and, and alcohol and whatnot, but I think we can use those same sort of techniques in, in our life generally. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. But if it doesn't, we'll blame the ADHD, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think that no, I think that will. I think it does make sense. Um, I just saw what we're coming towards the end of this and I really appreciate your time coming on uh, to the show and if people want to really I know you have a, a, a book out there and uh, people want to you know contact you and see you um, speak um, h- how do they find you?
1: Yeah um, I've got my own website at www.heathblack.com.au and um, I can be contacted through there I'm only a one man band um, I'm obviously an ambassador of, uh, of Bully Zero Australia Headspace and Beyond Blue a keynote speaker for them. But um, I go anywhere. I, I just I fill the gap, uh, whether that's at a corporate level, uh, or whether that's you know at a rehab centre, a school, whatever it is. Um, and I can be contacted uh, via that website and actually work with people one on one if needed. So. Um, yeah, in a nutshell, that's me. So, and, and I'm pretty fortunate enough I can do that uh, from home and, uh, if needed, jump on a plane and, and, and be there.
0: Fantastic. Heath, what does the what do you see your future like? What's what's the next five, ten years you think have installed for you and where do you see yourself?
1: That is a question that um, I still over and uh, I, I actually get quite anxious of, uh, of what I am going to do in the next five years. Is this work? What I'm doing in the mental health space is going to dry up. Um, do people get sick of, of the Heath Black story? Do um, do I need to do I have to educate myself further? I, I, the question to that, I, the answer to that is I don't know. Um, and I suppose on the flip side, that's a really uh, exciting thing. Yeah. But, but I have a fear of the unknown, and uh, and and that is uh, probably detrimental. So. I'm not sure, mate. I'm not sure, but hopefully, it's still in the mental health space and still uh, still helping people
0: would be great. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Um, I also every guest I have on the show here, Heath, I like to ask them. I know I've got your book out there, but I also like to them to recommend maybe a couple other books um, that you would like people to read. Really, uh, I guess to you know help improve their life, whether it be in you know, mental health or even through football and getting you know having a great sporting career. Um, so I
1: shouldn't say chopper read books, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, look. Uh, you
0: can say that.
1: <laughs> I must say, No, no. No, no. He's uh, taught me a few life experiences, that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> look, one thing with ADHD is that I struggle to read. And, um, I've only really, I can honestly say I've never completed a book because my, um, I just can't sit still for long enough. Well, a, so,
0: I must say, I'm an audiobook person fan myself. I'm in the car. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a big yep, audio yep. fan. So I could be with you there. <laughs> but but what I, what the book, um, look, and people
1: would debate me about this, is I got a lot out of Wayne Perry's book. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I just felt as if I, I felt another side and I actually related to his, uh, his upbringing and, um, Different passages within that book I really was gripped to. So, um, yeah, Terry's book's pretty good.
0: Fantastic. Heath, what are you grateful for in your life right now?
1: I'm grateful that uh, my my wife Asher and, and my kids have uh, given me the opportunity to, to be happy and healthy and uh, give me a second chance and to bring another... Uh, little baby into the world is is fantastic. I'm also grateful for the fact that uh, the community at large has accepted me for for who I am and and not the monster that I was. And uh, that's pretty humbling to be able to go around Australia and and just have people um, give you a hug. And and even if it's walking through Coles uh, shopping, people coming up and say, how you going, mate? And how you going, mate? Is actually different now. They're actually asking, "How am I mentally?" Um, instead of "How's the Fremantle Footy Club going?" or "How's St Kilda going?" Um, yeah. So it's that's that's pretty good. I, I get a lot out of that.
0: Fantastic. Well, Heath, I really uh, want to. Pre- I appreciate you coming on the show. I really want to acknowledge you for the amazing work that you're doing, and I really hope that you continue down that path because I'm sure there's so many people out there who are benefiting from you, um, having the courage to step up and really tell your story. So I really want to acknowledge you for that um, and also for your fantastic football playing career as well. And I wish you all the best. No, and thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thanks again. No worries, Hayeson. Thank you very much. And we'll have to catch up sometime soon. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Check in. Okay. Cheers.